so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I've had several folks asking here today, so I'm going to go ahead and kind of uh, let you in. Uh, we do not have, those of you who don't know, uh, my, uh, hopefully by tomorrow, I'm going to be a pop. Uh, my uh, my, grand, my daughter-in-law and son will be having their uh, first child. Uh, he is uh, not, he's kind of comfortable where he is right now. <laughs> Uh, but they, uh, this evening sometime, if he doesn't come before then, before this evening, they're headed to the hospital and they'll start all of that kind of processes. So you be in prayer for uh, uh, Grace, her name is Grace, and be in prayer for Grace and uh, for my son Evan and for us as we sit on pins and needles and uh, cannot wait to see uh, this little boy that's coming. Uh, we're in a season of growth. If you look around, you see, man, you're probably seeing people that you've not seen before. We love that. We are always trying to figure out how to measure growth. A lot of times it's seats. Uh, do we have uh, enough seats for, for people? Do we have enough servers for people? For, if you are a parent, uh, maybe you remember being at your home and you're measuring growth with your kids. Anybody have like a door frame or you remember a door frame? where there were all these little marks. We did in our home. We had marks for our kids. I'm sure that in the next couple of years, we'll start that again uh, for, uh, for grandkids. Uh, we love growth, don't we? All of us love growth, except if it has to do anything with your waistline. We don't like that. <laughs> kind of growth. You want to see your bank account grow. You want to see your family grow. You want to see your influence grow. All of these types of things. Uh, but you know, it's really difficult to measure spiritual growth, isn't it? I mean, uh, when I was growing up, uh, we still have offering envelopes out on the wall as you go out by the offering box. But when I was growing up at the church I was in, the offering envelopes were seated in the pews behind, and you'd pull that offering envelope out where you could put your name, you could put your, <clears throat> your offering. But there were all of these little boxes where it said, attended church, read your Bible, gave your offering. There were all these, and you were supposed to check mark all of these little things that you did. Some of you, you understand that. You have seen, you know what that is. You've seen that. You remember that growing up. And the whole intent of that was just to try to help, help people understand how many people are engaged in these types of things. And it was kind of a way I think a lot of churches and people would measure spiritual growth. But I want you to hear me. That in and of itself doesn't measure spiritual growth. You, what, I want to be careful. I want you to know this. If you're not doing any of those things, it's certainly you're, we're not going to grow spiritually because we should be a part of the body. We should be studying our Bible. We should be uh, being generous with the money that God's entrusted to us. Those are things that we should be doing. But you know, it is possible to be involved in all kinds of activities 
where you check the box, so to speak, but you're not really growing in your spiritual maturity. Well, the natural question might be, well, then how do you grow in your spiritual maturity? What, what does that look like? How, how do I go about that? I'm glad you asked that. I'm glad you didn't say it out loud, but I know you're thinking it. We're going to talk about that today from this passage that we just looked at in Colossians chapter 1 in verses uh, 9 through 14. You can always tell a lot about someone by the types of prayers that they offer. I don't know if you've ever thought about you. I write my prayers out and there are periodically I'll go back and I'll start kind of looking through and pull out an old journal and I'll look at my prayers. And it's amazing sometimes how I start going, oh my goodness, it, it is personal. I wanna make sure and say that. But when you're reading them through and I'm reading mine through and I start to see I, my, mine, me, I need my thing done. I need my processes. I need my bills. I need my, my, my. Listen, at some point, I started going, I sound like my teenager when they were growing up. Me, 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 me. Paul begins to speak to these people. You remember last week? I'm not going to go all the way back through last week. But do you remember last week when Paul, he said that he always prayed for these people, the church at Colossae, when he thought about them, when he remembered them? Well, he was thankful for several things. He expressed thanks for several things that were going on in their lives and in their body. Well, today he gets a little deeper and he now begins to talk about the very things that he is praying for them. In fact, he said, uh, and so, that first couple of words there in verse 9, he says, and so, now then we begin to pray for you. Why did they begin then? Because Epaphras had just come and shared all kinds of things with them about the church. And so, he begins to lay out, here's what I'm praying for you. I, here are the things that since Epaphras has been here, Listen, I always pray for you when I think of you. I pray for you. I'm very, very thankful. But when Dylan showed up and he began to tell me about your family, now I haven't stopped praying for you. And these are the things that I'm praying for you. Uh, there's three things that we're going to see today that Paul prayed for, and he prayed for more of these things. The first one is this. This would be where you would want to write these down so you can follow along. The first one is this, is that he prayed for them to have more knowledge. He prayed for the church at Colossae to have more knowledge. The second thing that he prayed for them to have is he prayed for them to have more holiness. And the last thing is, is that they would have more power. A few weeks ago, uh, our campus pastor from Brussels, his name is Ray Levy. Lay, Ray was supposed to preach here, but their, their flight got delayed. He was not able to be here to, uh, to preach for us. Uh, he, uh, we, we have a Skype that we do back, a Skype, that's like old school. I mean, it's like we, we FaceTime with each other, uh, video conference. We, we, we talk about every two to three weeks. And uh, one of his testimonies now that he's been back is this. One of the things that influenced him greatly, greatly being here in the States as a part of the different campuses and the churches was this. The amount of people that came up to him that told him that they were praying for him and they pray for him weekly, yet he did not even know them. He said, that has like really just impacted me and changed me. 
Uh, and listen, out on our wall, as you head out uh, to, the, to the right there, the Go Center, we have all of our different missionaries that we have, uh, different places that we go. I would love for you to go by and get them. This is how people in our churches are praying for them, praying for these folks. This is what Paul is doing. Remember, Paul's never, ever met this church He's only heard about them. And so these are the things that he's praying for. So he, let's start with, he, he starts by saying, I'm praying for you to be, uh, to have more knowledge. Look at verses nine through nine and 10, or just verse nine. Look at verse nine. He says this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The word knowledge here, I want you to circle it. We're gonna talk about a few words today. The word knowledge here, I want you to circle it. And if you're taking some notes, this word knowledge, uh, in the scripture, whenever you see the word know, it usually is translated gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. It means to know. This word here in the, in the New Testament, in the original language, is epi. Epi, E-P-I, epigenosis, which means to be completely filled. He says, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge. When you add that little phrase at the beginning, epi, it means to be completely filled. It means to be uh, 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 completely filled up. And notice what it says that he is complete, he's praying that they would be completely filled up with. Uh, that you would be completely filled with the knowledge of his Will. Now, who is his? God's with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would completely fill him up, that it would be the precise knowledge that you would have a good understanding of who you are. Paul's not talking here about that you would have the knowledge to know how to bake a cake, sew a dress, uh, solve world problems, fix your car, how to run a trot line, how to build a duck blind. He's not talking about those types of things. He's talking about having the full and complete knowledge of who God is. He wants these people, remember, he's gonna be talking here pretty soon to them in a few weeks, for us a few weeks. He's gonna be talking to them about the heresies that are going on, all the false teachers that were trying to infiltrate the church that Epaphras comes to talk to him about. So he begins by telling them, here's what my prayer is. Since I've heard about what's going on, I'm praying that you will have more knowledge. Each week, almost weekly, I have people come and they wanna to talk to me about what they should do in a situation. Should I move because there's a great job that's been offered. Should I move and go find this new job? Go take this job. They're gonna offer me $10,000 more. Should I take this job? I always tell folks, this is a little aside. Hey, you need to really take into account the family, the community, the places that you are, what your children are involved in, the church that you're involved in, because sometimes money cannot buy or replace what it is that you have. So, he, so he, they come and ask me those types of things. They ask me, should I buy this house? What, what should I do in this situation? What should I do in this situation? And I'm thankful that people want me to step into that. I always tell them, you realize I'm not the Holy Spirit though. I'm not your spirit. That's not me. Uh, we should be praying for, about these things. We should be always 
asking the Lord about these things. You realize that even our heroes in the faith prayed for their own wisdom. They prayed for their own safety. They prayed for these things. It's very, very important. But this is not what he's talking about right here. What Paul is speaking about here is the the revealed moral will of God. He's praying that they would know the moral will of God. What is it that God is asking of you? What is it that he has designed for you? What is it that he desires for your life? Remember last week, we talked about, and for several weeks, if this is truly, and I believe it is, and we as a body would say, we believe this is God's word. It is his inerrant word without error. It's infallible. Even when I don't understand it, even when I look at it and go, this runs counterculture to everything I know today, everything that I'm hearing today. But if this is what God's word is, and we step under it and into it and we follow it, confusion will go away for us. It may not be easy. We may be stepping in the stream and standing against the tide. But I want you to know, I need you to hear me. Your life will be a lot more clear when we do that. Because we won't be in speculation. We won't be speculating about what we should be doing. We'll be living in revelation of what it is that God has revealed his moral will is all about. Listen, think about this for just a few moments as it relates to your finances. What does the world tell us about money and the way that we handle money? If you want it, get it. In fact, you can get it today with a down payment and only how many other payments? You can finance it out. If you want it, step into it. If you really want it, you can leverage everything and you can get it. Listen, it's your money. Do with it what you want to do with it. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, who has stepped under his word, who we know God has a plan for how we handle our finances, we know that our money is not ours. It is his money that he has entrusted to us. In fact, he's called us to be stewards. He's given us his money. He's reallocated, given it to us to steward for his glory. Now, I wanna make sure that you hear me say this, okay? Listen, uh, when we do something for his glory, because of the way God has designed this, when we live for his glory, you realize ultimately it's for our good as followers of Christ. You see, when we bring his finances that he's given to us and we give back to him generously, we save money, we spend it wisely, you realize that means we're, we're, we're minimizing debt. And then what ends up happening is, is that you have more freedom in your life. You have less stress. You have more joy in your life because you're not bound. You're not bound. You have money to be able to support missionaries. You have money to be able to support crisis pregnancies. You have money to be able uh, to, to walk in the lives of people in this body who are struggling. And you can say, as a brother or sister, I come alongside you because I'm not, I'm not bound over here. So it gives me freedom and joy to be able to do that. Think about forgiveness. What, what does the world tell you about forgiving others? Listen, uh, Jesus who hung on a cross so that we might be forgiven if we submit our lives to him, so that we might have peace with God the Father. The world tells us, though, you hang on to it. Listen, when, when you, you start forgiving people, those who have wronged you, there may be weakness in your life. But I, I want to remind you of something. The ones who have been 
forgiven much or able to forgive much, the scripture tells us. You realize that forgiveness ultimately is for your benefit because the people you're holding a grudge against, they don't even care. Most of them don't even know. When you walk in forgiveness and you extend forgiveness, there is freedom that comes to your life. This is what the scripture tells us. He calls us to forgive because he has forgiven us our many trespasses. So therefore, we also should be about forgiving those who have trespassed against us. Listen, when we are filled with the knowledge of God, we are less confused about the sexual ethic today, the way we have biblical marriage, the way that we have biblical finances, the way that we uh, exhibit stress, the way what we do when bitterness begins to set up in us. You see, when we walk in that, when we begin to walk in his word, when we begin to have more knowledge of his word and what it is that he calls us to do, to walk in his revealed moral will, we begin to have freedom. When we realize that God has created a beautiful, a beautiful kaleidoscope of colors and people, and we begin to realize, listen, uh, uh, just because someone has a different ethnicity, a different race tone, uh, uh, racism and wrong, we stand against that. We also stand against thinking that someone because of their race tone would be racist. That, that's anti-biblical and anti-scriptural. When we understand that he has created and one day around his throne, every language, every tribe, every nation, every color under heaven is going to be worshiping him. This is what he's called us to. And this is what it is that he's wanting them to begin to understand. He's wanting them to understand. Listen, I'm praying for you to have more knowledge of God's will so that you will live a life that is consistent to his word, to his word. You see, when we live a life that is consistent, that's, that's called holiness. That's peace. Remember the peace we talked about last week? The, the shalom that is not just internal peace, but it begins to help us to have external peace with the world in which we live. This is what Paul is speaking to them about. And Paul prayed. He said, listen, I'm praying that you will be filled up completely, completely overrunning with precise knowledge of who it is that God is and what it is that he's called you to be, what it is that he has designed you to be. And he says, when you, look with me at verse nine again. When he says, when you're filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. Listen, when you know the word of God, it helps you to walk in spiritual wisdom. You begin to understand, well, look, in spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not just being someone who has a lot of, you, you're not like the trivia person. You're not the Bible answer man, the Bible answer woman. That's not what this is about. What this is about is, yes, I eat his word. I take it into my life. It makes me spiritually wise. And then I'm able to look around and understand the time in which we live and how we walk with his word, how we walk and how this changes us and makes us a different man, a different woman. He says, listen, I want you to have spiritual wisdom. And when you have spiritual wisdom, you're going to have understanding. And then you, as you understand my word, how to live it out, you're going to be spiritually mature. 
because you're going to operate as my child. You're going to walk in that. That's what that's going to look like. And some of you right now may be going, okay, well, how does that work then? How, how do I fill up with the knowledge of God, the, uh, completely fill up with the knowledge of God? How do I take the spiritual wisdom and understanding and walk that out? Well, I, again, I, I, I want to I I say it's the low-hanging fruit, but this is all he's given us, is that we begin to spend time sitting with him in his word. We begin to take it in. We begin to read it. We begin to listen to it. We begin to sing it. We, we begin to pray his word. Listen, when we want to see some real power, listen, when, I, when I look back through my journal and I begin to realize, okay, I've been praying for me, 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 and my prayers begin to turn to you, 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 and this, and this, and I'm praying for others when I begin to realize, God, I'm asking you to give me wisdom as I walk in this situation. God, would you help me to come alongside so-and-so? I, I need your wisdom so that I can walk alongside them for, their, for your glory and their good. Then what you begin to see is, man, you're walking in his way. You're, you're not just trying to fill up so you can answer the next Bible trivia game. You're beginning to see how this passage, because the Lord takes these passages and he begins to mold them into life. He begins to remind you. How does he do that? I don't know how he does it. I know he does it through the spirit. But I know that this is what his design is for our lives. This weekend, I've had a couple of different conversations with folks in this body. And they're talking to me about how to walk in this situation, how to walk in this situation. And as they're talking, all that I can do is reaffirm how the Lord has been speaking to them and how he's been using the scripture in their lives and say, You're, run, go, yes. Listen, that's how we grow in maturity is that we get with people and we read scripture together and we encourage one another. We ask each other, I had this difficult situation, how do I do this? And what the Lord's been doing in their lives, showing them, they're able to impart the knowledge, the spiritual wisdom, and the understanding they have into your situation. You see, he's called us as a body. This is what he's asked for us to do. Not to stop speculating and say, okay, God, I, I'm, I have your revelation. How does that work? How does that walk in my life? How does that happen? So he prayed for them. He prayed that they would have more knowledge. The second thing that he prayed for is that they would have more holiness. He prayed that they would have more holiness. This is what he told them, verse 10. Look at verse 10. In fact, let me flow out a nine here. He says, that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing. That goes back to that. You're full. You're complete. That epigenosis. You're fully complete. You're full pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, Paul's prayer for them, for the Colossians, isn't that they're just filled up with, with trivia knowledge. No, 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 no. I want you to understand God's will, not for knowledge's sake, but so that you know how to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. The word walk in the scripture, it's a, uh, it, it's a figure of speech, a euphemism, if you will, for your life, for your life. 
Spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is not instantaneous. How many of you recognize that? Okay, the rest of you, you're gonna catch on pretty soon, I promise you. Uh, It's not instantaneous. There is a reason I believe that Paul and the other writers call it a walk. It's not a race that you run quickly. It's not a sprint. Paul talks about being in a race, but it is a long race that you're in. It's not a 50-yard dash or a 50-meter dash, whatever it is it's called today. It, It is a walk. It's a journey. It's a long process. It is a step-by-step, day-by-day surrender of who I am. Yes, there was a point in my life, you've heard my testimony before, when I surrendered and submitted my life to Jesus Christ, and my life, my heart was transformed immediately. I got a brand new heart. As he speaks about in Ezekiel, he took out my heart of stone, he put in a heart of flesh. But every day I'm being saved. I'm working out my salvation, the scripture says. I die to myself each and every day. There will be a day when I see Jesus face to face that I will be fully saved. There will be no more striving. But in the meantime, in that dash, the dash of life, I walk every day. There are some days it feels like a brisk walk. And then there are some days it feels like I get one step forward and two step back. It is a walk. That's why it's called progressive sanctification because we progressively look more and more like Christ. Should I look more like Christ tomorrow than I did today? Yes. But do you realize how hard that is to measure? You you may be able to measure it in an event. I didn't blow up. (laughs) I I didn't blow up. I would have blown up yesterday. I didn't today. I didn't get angry. I didn't lose it. Yes, that, that is growth. That is spiritual maturity. But you realize spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, we see over months. We see over years. We, we are able then to measure a life. We're able to see the walk, the journey, the pattern that we've been on with him. There is no magic pill. In fact, I want you to see something here. This walking takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a a lot of just trying to walk it out. Notice what he says here. He says, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. This is another euphemism, if you will, another symbolic word that it means that my life reveals something. Fruit trees do not have fruit overnight. We have some uh, great tomato plants that we're still hopeful are going to bear the right kind of fruit in its due season. They have been doing that. I wish they would have gone into the ground with all the fertilizer we put around them, and all of a sudden, boom, it just happened. But it, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I was reading about a, uh, um, a, a type of bamboo tree. It's called a Chinese bamboo. It is planted in the soil Uh, Forgive me, someone's going to tell me later where in China it is, but these bamboo trees are nurtured. Listen to this. They're nurtured, they're fertilized, they're worked for five years before they ever burst the ground. Within the next 60 days, they can shoot up to over 90 feet. There are forests of bamboo, huge. 
You know what I'm thankful for? For the person who kept watering, kept doing all it took for five years to begin to see something happen. Some of you right now, you are discouraged. You're going, Kyle, I feel like I've been doing this and I'm not seeing it happen. I don't, I don't see, I don't feel the growth. Here's what I'm telling you. You stay in the walk. His word is true. Isaiah tells us, he writes and says that when his word goes out, the word of the Lord goes out, it does not return void. It always accomplishes the task it was sent for. Here's what I promise you. The word of God is doing a work in your life, though you may not even be able to see what it is that's happening. He is working. So you continue to walk. You continue to do what it is that you know God has called you to do. In the midst of the world that you're in, in the midst of the time that you're in, with all of the things that are swirling today, Paul's prayer is this, is that they would grow in knowledge. They would have an understanding of what it is that God desired for their lives and their walk. He, He prayed, he prayed that they would have more holiness. Listen, you realize the cumulative effect of what it is that when we take his word and we begin to walk it out, it should look like a lifestyle of holiness. That my life, if you're taking in God's word, but there's been no change, you look like everyone else in your office, everyone else in your third period class, everyone else that's on your block, there's been no change, no difference. You've heard me say this before. My question is, is if there's no change, there's no difference, there's probably no Jesus. And the question at hand is this, when we sit with his word, As followers of Jesus Christ who have fully submitted, we're praying and asking God for full knowledge, understanding what it is you want us to do. And when he shows us and we begin to walk in that, that is a walk of holiness that looks more like Jesus. This is what he's calling us to. He doesn't desire us to be swayed by speculation. He desires us to walk in his revealed will His word that is trustworthy and true and right in every situation. He desires us, that friend that you have that is far from the Lord, or he desires that you walk in their life and you love them with the word. You let his life make a difference in their lives through you. You have a friend who has proclaimed Christ, but they're not walking in the way of Christ. That means you need to walk in the way of Christ with them. You you don't leave them, you walk with them. You, You don't condone where they are, but you don't just sit and throw stones at them either. Lord, change them. Lord, allow my life to to be a light in a dark place. Allow my life to be salt that is sprinkled in their life so that they might taste and see that you are good. This is what he's called for. This is what holiness does. The one who embodied all holiness was accused of walking with sinners and drunks and prostitutes. So that they might experience the life of the Father. This is what he's called you and me to as followers of 
his. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, I'm going to say this quickly so as not to be too repetitious. You've got to be in the word. <laughs> You've got to be with the body. Ladies, if you're not in a women's small group in some way or in a discipleship group, uh, Amy would like to talk with you. She wants to help you do that. Shannon would help you and your husband get involved in a small group. Men, if you're not involved in some sort of discipling group, we want to help you do that. We have to have community come around us. This Wednesday night, we start the authentic Christianity class down in the family room at 645. Kids drop off at 630. We start at 645. You come be a part of that. See, these are ways that begin to help us to grow in our knowledge so that we can be spiritually mature, so that we have understanding, so that we can then know how to walk in a worthy manner that pleases the Lord in the day and time in which he's brought us to. You see, he wants us to know how to take his word, have understanding, and live that out. You realize that Satan and his demons, the scripture says, knows the word of God. Yet they're not, they're not saved, they're not changed. I want to come back. We don't do this so that we can have biblical knowledge for knowledge's sake. We do this so that there is life transformation. So there's power in our life. In fact, let's, let's go on to that. Lastly, he prayed for this. First, he prayed that they would have knowledge. He prayed that they would walk in a way that was holy. And then he prays that they would have more power. Look at 11 through 14. He says, being strengthened with all power, being strengthened with all power. And I'm gonna stop right here for a second. He talked about being filled with complete knowledge. He talked about being fully pleasing. And now he talks about being strengthened with all all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the father who has qualified, circle qualified, circle qualified, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The word in, in, chapter, in verse 11, power, is a Greek word, and that Greek word is dunamis, dunamis. That is the word that we get in English, dynamite, dynamite. What he is saying here is this, is that he has strengthened us with all power, all power. It is given to those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. What kind of power? Notice how he qualifies, according to his glorious might according we have the power of God that resides in us when those of us who have surrendered our lives to him the power of God the power that raised Jesus from the dead the Holy Spirit resides in you and he gives us the power of God what is this power for so that we can endure how many of you would say and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands on this how many of you would say, I'm in a situation right now that I need endurance for? I'm in a difficult situation and I need endurance. The situation that I walk in each day is difficult. 
How many of you say, man, I've got some people in my life that I need patience with. They're difficult. Put your hand down, Amy. I'm not laughing. He says, listen, this power that raised Jesus is alive in you. So you can, you, you can grow in knowledge and have more knowledge so that you're spiritually mature, so that you can walk in a manner that is worthy of Jesus, so that you can be strengthened, so that you can endure. And, and notice what he says. He says, and give thanks. Listen, give thanks to the Father. Why? Because he has qualified you. He has qualified you. That means he's made you ready. He's the one that has given you everything you need so that you can stand strong. You can walk in more knowledge. You can have more power. You can have more, uh, you can walk in holiness because of Jesus who is alive in you. You can do that, not on your own strength, but in the power of the one who raised Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He says, you can endure and you can stand with patience. That can happen. That can happen. And we're to be thankful for the day in which he's put us in. Be thankful because uh, here's what I want you to hear. When, when you are enduring, when you are able to show patience with people, as you begin to see your knowledge grow, your understanding of the word, as these things begin to happen, what you know for certain is, is that, man, Lord, you are, you, you're doing something in my life. And you, when you begin to recognize the Lord working in you, you know what that does? All that does, that that gives you more power to go the next day, to go the next step. That does not mean that the day that he's put you in is going to be easy. No, 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 no. Try telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that. Try telling Daniel that. Try telling Noah that. Try telling Jesus that, who had to go to the cross for you and me. Try telling all of the disciples, all of the disciples who eventually gave their life, but they were able to stand in their moment. This is where we are today. Father, would you give us the ability to stand in this moment? This is where he's called us. This is where he's, pray, he's placed us. Spiritual maturity is seen in our ability to stand and endure, not shrink back. Not shrink back. And and I'm talking about not just, not just, I want to stand when I'm persecuted and they're going to call for my job or they're going to call for my life. No, I'm talking about, were you willing to stand and endure when you speak to a brother or a sister who does not know Jesus and they ridicule you, they laugh at you? Will you endure and be patient in that moment? You see, if we can't be patient and endure in that moment, our chances of, of, of standing and being enduring in a heavy testing moment begins to shrink. You see, each thing he gives us and he brings to us to strengthen us in these days. This is what he's called us to. This is how we have spiritual maturity. This is where we begin to see. And it all begins with, Lord, I, I wanna live my life that honors you. I wanna, 
I give you my anger. I give you my money. I give you my voice. I give you my life. I, Lord, my time. Lord, I, I, I'm going to sit with you. I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. Lord, I, I want to walk with you. Each day I want to walk with you. And as you do that, your endurance builds. Your patience begins to grow. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. And we can't measure that easily, can we? That's not easy to measure. But I can tell you this, you know when you see it. And your friends, neighbors, your family, they'll recognize it. They'll recognize it. And it will make a difference in your home. About 30 years ago, there was a book that came out. It was called All I Needed to Learn, I Learned in Kindergarten. I mean, it's, it's, it was a huge. In fact, it still makes cultural waves. I think the Simpsons even used it in a couple of their, a couple of their, uh, their episodes. I mean, it, literally, people use this nonstop. You know, everything I needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. And, and, you know, some of those things are right. I mean, how to, how to work with people, how to be friendly, how to be nice, how to be patient, and all of these, how to share. Those things are very, very important. But I, I need you to also know that the writer of Hebrews says that some of you, you've never grown past kindergarten. He says, you've been comfortable drinking spiritual milk and it's time to grow up so that you can get on the meat of the word and begin living out what it is that he has called us to be who he's called us to be as his followers. So today, listen, my prayer, my prayer for you, which Amy and I pray often, is that you would walk in the power of the Spirit, that you would surrender your life to Christ, not just one time, but each day, so that you might grow in his knowledge and understand you, you're, you're growing in wisdom so that you have understanding of how to live, how to walk, how to talk in the situations that he places you in. Because he's called you and me for this day. Some of you are here today, and I need you to hear me. Real quick, we're wrapping this up. I'm about to put a bow right here. He's brought you here today, and you know why he's brought you here today? So that you would surrender your life to him. You would submit your life to him. That's what he's called you for. You thought you were coming because a friend invited you. You thought you were coming because you needed something. Yeah, you needed Jesus. And that's why you're here. Today, I'd invite you to surrender your life to Jesus. Just respond to him. Jesus, I, I give you my life. I've, I've, I've given it to all these other things. They've not worked. Now I give it to you and I submit myself to you. I accept your forgiveness. I, I want to live for you. If that's your prayer today, I want you to come and tell me. I want to pray for you. Tell your friend. They'll come back with you. We want to pray with you. That is what we desire. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, I'm asking, I'm asking you. I'm asking you, would you begin to pray for your small group, for your family, for those that you're seated around, that they would have more knowledge, knowledge of God's will for their lives? Would you pray that they would begin to walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, living a life that looks differently? Would you pray that they would have more power? That's a prayer we should pray for ourselves and for one another. Father, we love you and we honor you and we magnify you. We thank you. For Jesus, we thank you that you've brought us here today. We thank you that you desire to speak to us and that you have been. Father, we 
have wanted to lift Jesus so high today. And I pray that we have done that in a way that honors him and you and brings glory to you. Father, we thank you that everything we do is designed to bring glory to you, but it's also for our good because that's how you designed that when we live in submission to you and your word, it also is good for our souls. So we honor you. Jesus, do the work that only you can do today. Magnify, magnify yourself today. Today, we're going to close our service by taking communion. If you are a follower of Christ, I want to say this. Communion is for those who've surrendered their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, your next step is to follow him. Come talk to me. I want to do that with you. I want to help you know how. If you're a follower of Christ, your next step is, is that we remember his sacrifice. And if you've never, so if you, if you did not get a communion cup today as you walked in and you're a follower of Christ, would you raise your hand? We have guys in the back. Someone come to the front and some come to the back there and we can pass these around. If you'll keep your hand up, whoever, right up here, a couple, anywhere. Okay. Paul, the apostle Paul, the one who wrote the book at Colossae that we know as Colossians. He said in 1 Corinthians, this will be on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. He said, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. These verses aren't on the screen, but... Verse 28, he says that we should examine ourselves, take a moment to see, one, are we in the faith? Number two, is there something that is hindering our relationship with the Lord? Something that we need to confess. Father, I agree with you, this is sin, and not, I've let it get in the way. And I thank you that you've forgiven me, but I, I'm, I'm repenting of it now. I'm gonna ask, would we take just a moment for that, please? Let's bow for the Father. In verse 33, Paul tells us that we should wait and take this together. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take this together. If you will, turn it over to where the, the bread side is up. And if you'll pull that piece of bread. Paul said that he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. Won't you take and eat now?
in the same way, it said that he took the cup and he proclaimed that this juice symbolizes the blood of the new covenant that is only found in Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf. Forgiveness of sin only happens when there is the shed blood of Jesus and we come under that. So today, we drink and we remember. Take and drink. In the gospel of Mark, Mark says that when they finished that supper, they sang a hymn, they sang a song together and then they departed. We're gonna sing a song and then we're going to depart. I'm gonna be back at the back. I'll be out by the pastor's area. I'd love to speak with you if you'd like to speak with someone. Zion, come and lead us, all right?